Hello and welcome back to the Wildcat Scoop Podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Shear, here with... Jason Shear. And I'm so excited, Shelby obviously. Screaming. <laughs> Shelby just realized that she was screaming. <laughs> just start the podcast. Our kids are sleeping. Not it's anymore. super late. Not anymore. Arizona just beat Arizona State. And then everything is right in the world. That's pretty much sums up everything. All right. Thanks for joining there us, There we guys. go. It's all over. Bye, guys. No, just kidding. Um, final score was 78 to 59, which is a great score because Arizona won. And Jason predicted 81, so very close. Props to you. Um, what were your thoughts at the be- for the beginning of the game? Just like, how are you feeling right now? Because I'm super excited. <laughs> Shelby just ignored the question and said, "Epic." Uh, I think you want to know about the early part of the game where ASC was hanging around, right? Yes. Or that's how am I, I how am I feeling right now? Yes. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to the fact that we have possibly three flag football games in a row, and then a night game, and it's midnight. I got like two or three hours. Yeah, that's of... just semantics, Jason. Oh. Uh, look, I, I tweeted this and I got the days wrong. Someone corrected me in my math, but Arizona won this game 12 days ago. I like it. Because the minute that the game was lost on a buzzer beater, there was no way Arizona was losing this game. It just wasn't going to happen. And it's funny because, like, Arizona was up by seven at halftime, and you go to the message boards, and you could always tell it's a rivalry because people are like, this is not good enough. We must destroy them. Crush them. We are only shooting 48%. Why are we not making everything? This is sloppy. We're dead. And it's like, guys, calm down. Okay? Like, just calm down. Tranquilo, tranquilo. It's going to be fine. And eventually in the second half, like we said it, I, I say this with ASU, and everyone really says it with ASU, they don't run an offense. No. Like, there's teams where you could watch... Like, Washington's another one in the conference. Like, you can see some bad teams in the conference go, at least I know what they're trying to run. ASU, I could sit and watch 10 ASU games in a row and not be able to explain to you what actual system or offense they're trying to run. I have no idea. And the problem with that, or the good thing about that, is a game like USC, where you let your guys shoot whatever they want, and if they go in, they're super feeling it. You look awesome. Right. If they don't go in, you got some really ugly games. Tonight was one of those nights. Those shots weren't going in. ASU was six of 26 from three. And third game in three days, Arizona got out in transition. Wildcats finished with only 12 fast break points, but really pushed the pace every time they touched the ball. And um, eventually, ASU said, no moss. I mean, the Sun Devils didn't score for the last seven minutes and six seconds. They didn't hit a field goal. Pretty crazy. That's insane. That's crazy. I mean, so uh, the difference was that one team is significantly better than the other. Okay. <laughs> that's, the, that's the simplest way to. That's true. If you can't tell, Jason is very calm, unlike last night against Stanford for some reason. And I'm still like hopped up a little bit. So. People Sorry. say that you're the wild, the wild woman in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm not the wild. You're woman. not the wild woman. You're the, the calm. I'm also wondering woman. how there's still basketball on TV at twelve fifteen. No, this night. is crazy. Utah State's playing Boise State. Okay, 
Focus. Anyway, how much of Friday was defense versus ASU shooting poorly? I actually, like, at halftime, I said, like, ASU only had 28 points, and some of those were ridiculous shots. Like, they got open looks and they missed, There's but... literally a guy in front of them. Yeah, like, there were a couple, like, Jemiah Neal uh, hit those two shots or whatever, you know, off a uh, curl, and it's like, no, there's a guy right there. Cambridge hit that three, whatever. And then Arizona really locked down. I, I, I thought what the difference in this game was, you know, against Stanford... They locked down the second half because they took away the dribble penetration, um, and that kind of made the threes a little more contested or not as readily available. ASU doesn't take good shots. They don't. And so if they're not going to take good shots, you want to make sure that the bad shots they're taking are as difficult as possible. They were 6 of 17 from 3 in the first half. They only shot 9 in the second half, and they missed all of them. And the reason they missed all of them is because Arizona basically said, we're taking it away. We're taking it away. And Arizona has not been good in three-point defense the last five games or so. But even when Arizona struggled defensively this season, its three-point defense was pretty good. And eventually Arizona put the pressure on ASU and said, okay, you're going to have to make plays. And this offense, ASU offense, does not work when Desmond Cambridge is it playing well and he only got up 10 shots and I say only because normally the dude gets up 18 shots a game like it's nothing Frankie Collins put up 14 shots and only made four of them and I don't think Frankie Collins is awful but you don't want him putting up 14 shots um you know Warren Washington killed Arizona in the first meeting had eight and six didn't really do anything uh DJ Horn had nine points three of nine um Jemiah Neal played well somehow but you know Alonzo Gaffney who's their center when he goes in, took four shots, all were from three, and he didn't have a rebound in nine minutes. Four threes in nine minutes. They were just putting up crap. And eventually Arizona took the threes away from them, and they were putting up crap inside, or still putting up crap, and uh, and there was nothing they can do. I mean, Arizona dominated the glass, and that's part of defense. I mean, 44 to 30 on the glass, 35 defensive rebounds. ASU got 12 offensive rebounds, but only scored 10 points off them. ASU had 22 points in the paint. Arizona had 40. I mean, ASU had 13 assists on 21 buckets. Arizona had 23 assists on 31 buckets. It was just, it was a clinic. The second half was just an absolute clinic. The first half was like, and you kept waiting. You, you Like, even watching the game, you're like, this is a blowout. Any minute now. And Arizona would kind of screw up a little bit and let ASU hang around. And then finally, the screw up stopped, and that was game. I mean, it was just... Arizona, when the game was somewhat close, was beating themselves. ASU didn't really have anything to do with it, to be honest. Okay. And which players stood out to you? All of them. Clearly, all of them <laughs> had something to do I with mean, it. I mean, really, I mean, let's just go down the line, right? Courtney Ramey took seven shots, made three of them, three of them from behind the arc, nine points, six assists, three rebounds. Defense was improved. Azulis, 17 points, nine rebounds. Had five turnovers, was a little careless. But if you remember, like I said, Warren Washington had six point, 16 points in the first meeting. Eight Azulis alive. Azulis had a couple defensive miscues tonight, but played rel- as well as he's going to play defensively, right? Umar Balo, 14 and 10. Destroyed ASU. Could have been more. Uh, Kirk Risa did not shoot well. It was two of eight. He did have the big three. But people always say, well, Kirk, stop shooting. Kirk, do this. And I get it. I get when he's shooting poorly. It's frustrating. But the reason why Kirk Reese is playing 29 minutes is because he had seven assists and no turnovers. And you could diss Kirk in a shooting inconsistency all you want. 
but there's absolutely no question that he's one of the best point guards in the conference at running an offense. Arizona's offense is significantly better when he's in the game. And that's not a diss on Boswell. I just think Kerr is that good. Well, and they're just and they're just different. Like Kerr is so skilled and subtle. Like he's seeing everything and it's so effortless that it, it's like giving the ball to everybody else. And it's you're not used to seeing that in a point guard being so selfless. And so I think it's very underappreciated. Whereas like Boswell is like kind of going to be like a general on the floor, kind of like TJ McConnell. And look, Boswell had three turnovers tonight. Yeah, he did. And he, he, he and, and I don't mind. He, and he had one assist, so he had more turnovers than assists. He played 17 minutes, but like, there's a reason. And I know people like Boswell. And he's absolutely better than Kerr defensively. He's growing into it. But people still remember Shelby. He's only <gasps> 17 years old. He's only 17. Uh, Cedric Henderson. We had Cedric. Maui. We had Anaheim Dylan. We had Maui Justin. Uh, after the game, Tommy called him Vegas said. <laughs> 14 points, five rebounds. If Arizona wins against UCLA, there is a very real chance that Shredrick gets most valuable player of the Pac-12 tournament. I think he definitely deserves <laughs> As long that. as he plays well tomorrow. And, I mean, that's crazy. Like, you would not have guessed that. If Cedric plays like this, going and in, in, it, it sticks into the NCAA tournament, Arizona is a much better team. 14 points, four of eight shooting, five rebounds in 25 minutes. Uh, Pella Larson, oh, I thought Pella. he played. He had that sequence that completely changed the game around with the block, the steal, all that. Um, you know, 11 points, three rebounds, three assists. I'm even shouting out a demo ball. Came in and hit Demo's a jumper. A you jumper? know, that's that's more important than he's not going to play in the tournament. Let's be real, okay? But that's more important than people know for a guy that, that's having a rough go about things. So I just shouted the entire team, and I'm, uh, I'm happy to do it, Shelby. There we go. I liked it. Thank you. I'd also like to shout out Gravity for, you know, being involved with that tech that yeah, Kerr got for I, no reason. I rewound that and watched it numerous times. I don't know. Yeah. And the so thing is, I'm pretty sure they went to the video. Yeah, they had to watch Gravity work. I think that's one of those cases where Kerr's rep hurt him. Yes, it definitely Because was. they said, oh, Kerr, this is Kerr Creasley. He must have done that on purpose. When if it was a different player, that tech doesn't get called. It's very interesting how much they are looking at things, especially. I mean, it's good. But a lot of times it's it's the plays that don't make sense. And then they're also giving the other player who was like like the victim of the foul also things this season lately. I'm really curious. I think ASU is in the tournament. I, I really do. But I do too. there's things that I think people have to watch out for now. Like if Vanderbilt wins one more game and they're in the SEC, you know, does a team like Vanderbilt make the NCAA tournament. And I realize that, you know, analytically they're like 79th on Ken Palm, right? But their their worst loss is, and they lost to Grambling State, but ASU lost to Texas Southern, right? But when you take a look at what they've done lately, they beat Tennessee, they beat Auburn, they beat Kentucky on the road, they beat Kentucky tonight, they beat Mississippi State, yeah, that's pretty I impressive. mean, if if they win against Texas A&M on Saturday, it would not surprise me at all if they jumped ASU. It wouldn't. And, and so, well, I think ASU is in, you know, if... Sometimes it's luck. If Florida Atlantic loses their conference final, is Florida Atlantic still getting the tournament over ASU? Like, it's tough. There's And so, as of now, I have them in, but I could absolutely see a scenario where ASU doesn't make the tournament. I mean, is Lunardi right that they are in the last four out in this case? In. 
Or last four in? Yeah, I have them as I in the play. So I have them in the play. But I honestly do hope that they make it. Like all those things work. I do. If like, they their make record it, holds up. If they make it, I would strongly assume they're in a play-in game. Yeah. Against like an NC State or a Pitt or something like that. Yeah, that that would be fair. All right. Um, well, that game's over. We're elated and happy, and now we're moving on to Le Championship. Uh, moving into UCLA for tomorrow night. What does this game mean for seeding? I don't know. You know, it's 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 a question I don't have an answer for. What? To, to be honest, you because know everything. Here's the deal: if Cronin, it, let's say Adembono's not playing, let's yeah, just say he's not playing. Okay, let's just say he's, and we'll get to that in a second. Let's just say he's not playing. Arizona beats UCLA on Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. Arizona beats UCLA. Jalen Clark is out for the year, and a Dembona, for all the committee knows, is out for the tournament. Right. I think the committee is super tempted to put Arizona ahead of UCLA. Because at that point, Arizona has... They're 100%. They're 100% healthy. They've won two out of three against UCLA, and they have the better out-of-conference numbers and schedule and wins. Mm -hmm. It would not surprise me at all if with a win on Saturday, if Arizona passes UCLA. And, oh, by the way, just a reminder, Dave Hickey does leave the room when Arizona's discussed. Right. He burns a brewing effigy. So just someone let Mick Cronin know that it's not (laughs) sorcery. It's just, you know, fairness. Now, if UCLA wins, I think they're a one. Yeah, that's right. Uh, There would be a close discussion scenario where if Purdue won the Big Ten tournament, it wouldn't shock me if Purdue's the one and UCLA's the two in the West. For Arizona... I think they would need a lot of help to get consideration for a one. I don't think that's in play. Um, I think Arizona's pretty locked into it, too, just based on what I've looked at and in the teams that could pass or not pass Arizona. I mean, like, I just look at my bracket because I'm better than Joe, big Joe Lunardi. And, like, I take a look at um, my threes, for instance, and UConn lost today, Kansas State lost I don't think Gonzaga's in a position to pass Arizona. Marquette would be interesting, but I think Marquette is a three. Um, I think that's probably the only one, but maybe even Baylor goes to three. I mean, Baylor's already out. So, you know, maybe UCLA loses and Purdue loses and Texas wins the Big 12 championship and moves up to a one. I feel like this year more than other years, there's still a lot at play. And we've only got one day of basketball left. Like, I just feel like there's a lot that can happen. But I would be surprised at this point if uh, Arizona is not a two-seed. I don't know where. Like, if Arizona beats UCLA, I could absolutely see a scenario where UCLA gets a two-seed and shipped out and Arizona gets a two in the West. I think that is very much in play. Okay. Well, I guess we're going to find out. How do, are we going to even sleep tonight? I just, like, am so excited. Ah! Anyway, um, so Adam Bona may be out with that shoulder injury. How does that impact the game? I mean, he, he's a very good defensive player. Now, Arizona has had some pretty good interior success against UCLA. And, look, they, they killed Oregon. One bone, it got out of the game. I mean, kind of threw a bud. Those back at the end gave UCLA exactly what they needed. The bigger issue for UCLA without Bona is, you know, Bona at least has a threat to score. Those guys really aren't. 
Um, Bona's athletic. Those guys are not as athletic in, in depth, right? And, and Bona got into some foul trouble against UCLA, but this is a situation where now if he's out and Wuba or Mac at the end get into foul trouble, they don't have anyone else. I mean, you, you're, you've, you've got no depth. Uh, you know, it. I, I think that people also have to realize is A, Oregon isn't that good this year. And B, there's a lot to say for emotion and momentum in a game where you all kind of rally. Credit to UCLA. They all rallied around each other. You they know? coalesced, as it were. Bona comes back on the court and sits on the bench, and they, and they see it, and they get excited. That wears off. You go to bed, and that's the not there in the morning. Goes away. And so I, I think that's something to, to be interesting as well, is what does UCLA's defense look like without Bona and Clark? Now, UCLA is still a very good team. It's not like, oh, a Den Bona's out. They're guaranteed to lose. It's not that type of situation. But it clearly has uh, an impact on the game because they're facing a team with that, that plays two bigs. Against Oregon, the bigs are different. It's just right. not that type of situation. I did even look over at you during the game when Oregon was playing UCLA, and I said, look at this theater production that they're putting on, like making him come back out, and he's smiling, and he's you know, jumping around. Like They're just trying to downplay it because there's like committee eyes on them. And then Cronin said he's doing great in the locker room, but then won't say what the injury is. So it's like if he's doing great in the locker room and you're – if he's questionable play, why not say that to the media? It's a, it's a weird, but I get it. Like, I don't blame him. I no, wouldn't no. say anything. I, I think it's, you, you got to have that strategy. I would literally say he's great, but we're going to rest him out of precaution. Yeah, like, don't give up anything. Right. But I, I did think that was a, a really smart move. Yeah, Even 100%. if he was in pain and they just shot him up with some stuff and said, you're going to go out there and sit there and support your team. Put the towel over your arm. Put the towel over yeah, your arm. absolutely. Perfection. That's 100% what I would do. All right, well. We'll see. Um, what is the path for victory for Arizona against UCLA? The same path it is always against UCLA, right? You have to defensive rebound. Yes. And you have to take care of the ball. If yes. you do not do that against UCLA, you are losing. That's it. You will not beat UCLA unless you take care of the ball and defensive rebound. That's okay. simple. Pretty simple. If Arizona turns the ball over a lot, and it's struggling on the glass, they will lose by double digits. If they rebound well and they don't turn the ball over, I, I think they win the game. Points in the paint. Yeah, I mean, they have they, a they, they, points in the paint the and, last two nights. And, and it'll be interesting without Clark playing. Because Clark, you know, everyone talks about his defense and rightfully so, but his offense is probably missed too. Like, Tiger Campbell went nuts tonight, played freaking awesome. That's how they won. But if Tiger Campbell isn't playing awesome, it probably looks a little bit more like Colorado, where the Bruins are really struggling. So you got to assume that, you know, you got to assume that Courtney Ramey will be on Tiger Campbell, and they'll say, "Go at him," like try to shut him down, and, and Pella will guard Hawkwise for most of the game, and and that'll be that, and, and that'll be the defensive assignments, and and they'll kind of figure it out from there because if one of those guys struggles offensively. Now team. you're wondering who picks up the offensive pace for the Bruins. All right. And finally, as usual, what is your prediction? Well, I picked Arizona to win at McHale. I picked UCLA to win at UCLA. Um, I just, there's something about Arizona in revenge games. They're real good at it. And I, I credit Tommy Lloyd's coaching ability. Um, and and I I... Look, UCLA could very well be the better team when healthy. Um, 
I just feel like Arizona's going to win this game. I'm going 75 to 70. I like it. Yeah, I'm not going 81, don't worry. There we go. 75 to 70. I think Arizona comes out, rebounds well. Umar Balo's playing some really good basketball, which I think is important. And and I like Arizona in revenge games. I just do, damn it. it they're also playing in McHale North with yeah. the, the great Red Army of the West. Like, I know UCLA fans, I guess, on the message board, like, oh, we're going to drive down to Vegas. It won't matter. That place already is going to oh, be no. 80% Arizona It's already fans. over, guys. Arizona's got that one locked up. That's uh, Wildcat country. Yeah, so. Um, okay. I'm excited. We have a very long day tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> three flag football games, potentially. Our kids in the playoff. It's going to be awesome. Uh, hopefully, we won't get too sunburned or anything like that because it's a long old day. But we get to come home, watch Wildcats. I have a couple shout-outs on, on Twitter tonight that were just amused me greatly. So I wanted to say shout-out to Jesse Bridges, at Jesse Bridges, for the awesome gif you sent me of Stone Cold Steve Austin with the White Claws. Love it, because it's a WWE and White Claw reference. And then also to at Big Red Toddler, Todd Leviton, who shouted Jason and I out and said he couldn't wait for the podcast tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Bear the fuck down, baby. Oh my God, Shelby. <laughs> Serious question. I'm not flaming because you've seen my hair. What do you think Mick Cronin looks like with hair? Oh my God. I bet he kind of looks like, uh, who's the guy who does the painting? Happy Little Trees. Bob Ross? Kind of. Someone Can someone Photoshop hair on Mick Cronin and send it to us on Twitter? Just do a whole bunch of different kinds. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>